Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. Happy Heritage Festival weekend. That's right. It's a long weekend here in Canada. Yep. Thus, Lazy Doctor Who. Yeah. It's I. I, I think it's differently named. It's like August Civic Holiday or something on Monday. Yeah, well, Monday Monday is August Civic Holiday, yes. But as we record this, it is Saturday, and we have watched episode two of The Enemy of the World. Mm -hmm. And we also spent a good chunk of hours today wandering around uh, festival grounds and eating lots and lots of food. Uh, and usually I don't eat gluten, but I did today. So this is this is definitely sleepy Doctor Who because it just really <laughs> just makes me, ooh, I'm out of it. The great thing about Heritage Days is that, you know, there's a whole bunch of, I don't know if this is like the biggest such event in, in Canada or anything like that, but it's pretty big. And there's tents and pavilions all across Horlack Park here in Edmonton. And it's like, you know, you can just sort of like walk from Eritrea to... Croatia or you know kind of like you can go from Hungary to the Australization zone mm-hmm. in a couple of hours by rocket mm-hmm. both in the year 2018 that's right yep it is it is so perfect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we sh- we'll, we'll definitely hit up the Hungary tent tomorrow and I don't know if there's an Australia one this year there was last year but I don't think there is this year well it's Australasian so yeah, we could do the true. Fiji Islands they have Ooh. a tent Yes, they do. We we hit that one most every year too. Yeah, we could go to the Mexico one uh, as well because um, uh, of <laughs> salamander, I guess. Yes, brujo, which means sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, she was sort of using it as a as an epithet, you know, kind of like uh, you might call a woman a witch. Um, so she was basically using the male version of that. So we're talking about Faria as her little aside, right? She was calling salamander a brujo. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting, as if to show that she did not approve of him. That is such a fascinating exchange. She's such a such a interesting character that we don't really get a lot of information about here. And she she refuses to sit down out on the uh, on the veranda there. She would never sit. And he's just the why? Why do you work for him? Oh, he has ways of of. Um, convincing people mm-hmm. and and then the way she's toying with poor Federin about the wine and stuff she's just it's like she's she's living a life that is not of her choosing and taking her little bits of fun where she can get it mm-hmm. and i really appreciate it it's, right i i the reason this is familiar to you mm-hmm. uh, i think we mentioned this in the last episode is that you watch this for verity mostly for for Astrid, but I think you probably noticed Faria as well coming out of this as sort of being the, you know, female hero of the piece in a way. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They are both, both really, really great and they both have amazing outfits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 1968 was good time for Doctor Who fashion. I, I never noticed who did the next time. Try to remind me mm-hmm. and I want to see who did the costume designing on this because um, that person did a great job. Yeah, yep, very much. Uh, we were noticing um, Astrid's boots again as she was climbing mm-hmm. down underneath the uh, the disused jetty. Not Yeti. <laughs> jetty. Yeah. That was so dumb. <laughs> it was. It was stupid. <laughs> that ha- like, And that had to have been like a, a Patrick Troughton ad lib kind of thing that they probably decided while they were doing like rehearsals or something. I, I wouldn't put it past that. Yeah, because... 
it's fascinating actually because you notice that the the first scene uh, where it's the carry on from the the uh, cliffhanger from the previous episode. It's it's the doctor playing Salamander trying to fool Bruce enough to get him out the door, um, and then that's about it. And then and then there's the scene where the doctor's sort of like eavesdropping on the call, and that's his only line really that he says. You know, other than that, it's just Giles Kent and and Astrid talking over the phone slash walkie-talkie. And then that's the last scene of the Doctor because of the way they had to shoot this this whole episode. It's just Salamander after that because they couldn't do the costume changes. So I'm wondering if because, you know, I have nothing to do with this episode, at least I can sort of like throw in a line here. Otherwise, I'm just a bystander in the scene. He also says, don't worry, Astrid. Victoria and yeah. Jamie will take care of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very patronizing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very silly. And I think he says one other thing to Giles Kent after he gets off the phone. But yeah. but yeah, you're right. That's that's true. There isn't very much doctor in this, which I keep forgetting about because we have Salamander, mm-hmm. which is, you know, not the doctor, not at all. But it's fun to see Jamie interacting with Patrick Troughton as not the doctor. Mm-hmm. And this is that was a great scene for Jamie too, <laughs> like running in and you know grab taking the guard out and be like, oh, I'm glad you called the guard. I didn't know what I was going to do with him. And then the the you know he just being Mr. Bold and afterwards he puts the gun down and just casually leans. I like his lean we, with his arms crossed. Uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, Winona Earp, and the way he <laughs> leans reminds me of the way Doc leans right. in Winona Earp. Yep, yep. Fraser Hines and Tim Rosan, excellent leaners. <laughs> <laughs> Primely. And I like how he just sort of, you know, he takes the gun off the guy, then throws the thing, and then just sort of places the gun down and sort of, you know, accept his, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's, this is such a different story. <laughs> Isn't it? It's it just feels so energetic in uh, a way that a lot of times Doctor Who isn't. And that's not necessarily a bad thing when it isn't, when it's when it's less energetic because, you know, I think the the a base under siege kind of story has its own sort of tension that pulls you along. Um but the tension here is a completely different type of tension because it's it's more kinetic. There's yeah. a lot going on and it's just it's really fun. There's no Doctor Who story that I can think of that would like try to slot the enemy of the world into a category or like you know like a base under siege or this kind of that reminds you of this it just feels like there's nothing like this in Doctor Who it's very it's it's more James Bondy but in a way that the not in like the third Doctor James Bondy way. Yeah, because it's not like a super spy or something. There's not yeah. like espionage much anyway. I suppose. Yeah. Well, maybe a little bit, but a little bit. Yeah, it's just it's more. Yeah, it just it's a it's a it's intrigue and mm. action movie sort of. Well, not really action movie because it's still it's still Doctor Who. Although we did have the most amazing binoculars in the world <laughs> because they could see all different kinds of angles of this uh of this volcano eruption just from that one veranda. Yeah, I know. It could it could it could glimpse many different <laughs> bits of stock footage from World War 2 <laughs> everywhere. Mm-hmm. From that veranda. Yep, magic binoculars. Mm-hmm. That's that's the uh, that's the prop from this episode. Yeah, I I was more when I watched this for the first time, it blew me away uh, because Doctor Who um, rarely did back projection, like supremely rare in in Doctor Who history, and 
in the scene where they're sort of sitting on the bench that's all back projection Mm -hmm. and the background it's like so they're standing in front of this like backdrop and it which is rare for doctor who as i say and then and then the other side it's just for the one camera on the other side it's just sort of the uh the scene and then it gets even even weirder where after jamie's gone to to save salamander he's coming back to talk to victoria and, and astrid we see fraser hines jamie walking in the film footage yep. mm-hmm. and then he shows up <laughs> yep and that is just like what this so Barry Letts was even then you know Barry Letts was like was the was a keen supporter of color separation overlay yes. and was behind a lot of the experiments in the in the mid 60s and when he had a chance to bring it into Doctor Who he took it and used it probably too much but mm-hmm. he was like really behind the technology so even here he was sort of like pushing the envelope mm-hmm. as to what Doctor Who could do technically yeah, and I mean, it's not like you needed to see Jamie walking in the background there to be able to figure out yeah. what's happening in in that scene. Uh, but it's still cool, and and it is it's noticeable to to you know viewers of today who recognize what kind of back projection looks like as opposed to you know a, a matte painting or something. Mm-hmm. So it was it was interesting. Yeah, it's like you know other previous Doctor Who stories would have sort of say, oh, there he is off there, and the characters would sort of look off camera, and then he would come in that way. But we actually see him, and and they don't react to him. You know, they don't say, oh, there's Jamie right now. Look mm-hmm. at the back projection screen. They just, you know, when's Jamie coming back? And we just see him just sort of stroll. It was just such an unusual shot that I just find it fascinating. Another thing I find somewhat unusual is just sort of the ease with which all of the characters sort of like, everybody just seems more jovially relaxed than we often get. And maybe that's because at this point they don't necessarily know whether or not Salamander is a good guy or a bad guy, as the Doctor is is talking about it earlier on in the episode. Um, you have everybody just sort of being kind of chill about stuff. And so, you know, Astrid is sitting there and pretending that she doesn't see them and they're they're talking to her and... God, Jamie's like Jamie and Victoria are not very good at this spy game because they're like Astrid's looking at her book but still saying stuff but yeah. not looking at them and they're just looking right at her and talking to her. That's not the part I meant though. But then when she she notices something and gets up and you know you just have have a Jamie kind of under his breath being like she's got eyes in the back of her head yeah. just like la 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 and oh there was another moment too where. I can't remember what it was, but it was just something... Oh, on the phone, where you have uh, Astrid saying, they are kind of an odd bunch, aren't they? <laughs> and, and Giles Kent being like, well, the doctor is here with me now, after yeah. the doctor makes kind of a funny face. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sure they'll be just fine. So, I mean, just... There's there's a lot of little moments like that, and I feel like there were a couple of other things as well that, that sort of reminded me of this. Oh, yeah, the, when uh, Jamie and Victoria are interacting with Faria as mm-hmm. well. Like, it just... They just everybody just seems kind of happy, and they're just you know rolling along, and energy in, in an energetic sort of sort of way. It's just it's infectious, and it's sort of enthusiasm. Yeah, you you can kind of like Faria is like you know we can tell in her scene with um, Federin that she's not that happy where she is, and sort of getting as you say getting her kicks where she can. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if she kind of senses that. Um, you know, in Jamie and Victoria and she's like immediately warm and welcoming to them thinking that she's probably got kindred spirits coming into the, uh, mm-hmm. the compound, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, she strikes me as a, as a smart lady mm-hmm. and like, you'd have to be stupid not to recognize that Jamie and Victoria 
were talking to her. Mm. Um, so yeah, so of course she saw that. And the fact that she defends them and stands up for them yeah. to the security guy and says, oh, he had permission to go and get his girlfriend when we don't necessarily know that's the case because Salamander didn't actually say in front of us, go mm-hmm. get your girlfriend. He just said, you know, we'll find a job for her and sends Jamie off with Faria. So I think... I think she was probably lying to the mm-hmm. security guy saying that, that Salamander specifically gave him permission to leave the grounds. Um, so, yeah. So I, I suspect that, that yes, she's she doesn't like Salamander. She has no love for him, but she sort of feels like she's stuck where she is. And maybe she sees that there's a, yeah, kindred spirits or a possible, you know, she's... She may not be able to reach out and, and do anything against him because of whatever he's got on her, mm-hmm. but... That doesn't mean she can't nec- like subtly help other people who might want to do the same thing. Although they don't necessarily want to do the same thing. They just want to find out what's up with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? We don't want to say too much about Freya um, because there's other episodes yet to come, um, including episode three, which you aren't watching tonight. But it's the episode that everyone's seen. And the one, well, a lot of people saw before this because it was the one existing episode for years and years and years. And the one episode, spoiler alert, that isn't at all really representative of the story (laughs) as a whole. And so no one knew what to think about it because they saw episode three and thought, oh, what's happening in this episode? But then these first two episodes have been like completely bonkers new Doctor Who. And we also have two Castellans, two future Castellans. Spandrel and... um. Castellan. I don't Kellner. Is that his name in Invasion of Time? Yeah. Kelman. No, Ke- no, I'm I don't know. Him who, who the actors. Yeah. But on. Milton Johns and um, George Pravda yeah. both play Cast the Castellan later on in, in Doctor Who, so they're two two Time Lords. I totally forgot that. Well really? well spotted. Oh, yeah. oh hey, I love me any Castellan. I am a I am a Castellan <laughs> fan. <laughs> I'm a Castellan stan. <laughs> and we just watched the five doctors last night. And there was the other castle. So we've seen in the course of 24 hours, we've seen three Castellans. Three. We've seen three Castellans. <laughs> yep. Yeah. As, as soon as Milton Johns appeared on screen as a bit, started with B, Benick? Benick. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's just, like nobody does a fish's prick like <laughs> Milton Johns does. He is amazing and I love him so much. Um, and actually, like to to his credit as an actor too, he has that one amazing moment where he just completely loses his cool yeah. and yells back and then like brings it back and he's mm-hmm. he's back to being his smarmy officious you know sure and then his his quieter way of lashing out is just not answering when bruce asks yeah. him the question and oh it's just he's delightful yeah i can't quite tell who's in charge like mm-hmm. where does bruce does he because he's sort of giving him orders mm-hmm. but then they're kind of arguing and I don't know if they're like mm-hmm. heads of different departments or something like that you know yeah it seems like they both work pretty directly for Salamander mm-hmm. and and yeah there may not be an, an entirely clear chain of command I mean it you know because Bruce says I'm countermanding that order so it sounds like he kind of has the the ability to do it but clearly Benick is in a position of of enough authority and privilege that he's got the ear of Salamander so Bruce doesn't feel like he can completely slap him around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting kind of dynamic there and they like neither one of them comes off as particularly charming. Um 
and I, I don't think anybody really wins. Although it is funny then that as soon as Bruce leaves, <laughs> Bennett gets for the phone and is just like, well, just get me Salamander as soon as you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sits down at the table and sort of like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what he does in that scene, but yeah, he's a weird, weird guy, that Bennett. Yep. Yep. And then we have George. I love George Pravda as well. So <laughs> Because the deadly assassin, is that why? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, as, as Dennis, who is, you know, a man who is beloved, mm-hmm. we, we learn, and is, uh, wants to protect his, his country. What zone. is it? Zone. Zone. That's the word I was looking for. Um, from Salamander, who, who does apparently know when volcanoes are going to hit. Hmm. How can he know that? Mm-hmm. Dennis seems to think he did it somehow, mm-hmm. which, that is that is a wild accusation. There's no question about yeah. about that. But I think at this point, it's pretty safe to say for us as viewers that Salamander is a pretty bad guy because he's blackmailing um, poor Federin yeah. into assassinating Dennis events eventually. That's the plan, um, and then having him take over. And boy, Federin is just—he's just a spineless little wimp. I know the poor. He's just in so in over his head. Yep. He, he's just like oh, every as you say, everyone is basically picking on him from <laughs> Faria to Salamander to yeah. And he just has this this like crumpled frowny face. He just looks like a this poor little poor little puppy. It's a tr- that's such a sad. Cl- that's a cliffhanger. Yes, is his reaction to you know the you know uh, veteran will be the chief witness against you, and he sort of looks around and says. Yes, I guess I am. Just like, oh, just, it's sad. <laughs> it really is. So, yeah, so Salamander, definitely not a good guy. Um, maybe not as bad as everybody says at this point. We don't know yet, but, um, but yeah, because that's, that's just no good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Poor Federin. I'm sure he'll turn out fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything will be great and dandy for everybody in this story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else about uh, episode two of The Enemy of the World? The last Doctor Who episode of 1967. Oh, my. Yeah. Mm. Um, no, I just really like it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I forgot that Victoria, <laughs> Jamie says Victoria's a really good dishwasher. <laughs> I'm hungry and I like to eat or yep, something I like, like that. Yep, I like food and I'm hungry or something. It's very... Yeah. She's she's game. She didn't have a lot to do in this episode, but... Yep. Uh, yeah, she was timid at the beginning again. Yeah. While Jamie was like, I thought it was interesting that the doctor kind of stops everything just to ask Jamie his his opinion on uh-huh. what they think she should do. And Jamie, of course, is like, "Well, we can't pass up a challenge like this, Doctor. I know you wouldn't." Yeah, that's that's another case of everybody just sort of being real chummy and like, but not not like in a smug. Uh, second season 10 and rose sort of away <laughs> right. but like in a real like you know chummy sort of like yeah we're just we're just hanging out and, and chatting and blah 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 and doctor i know that you would want to pass this up so we should really you know and it's just yeah weird mm-hmm. but good yeah it, it's also interesting i mean just because uh of the the way that the show was shot and you can't really have you know trout and bouncing back and forth between the roles. So you kind of have to pick a role for what he's going to be in that particular episode. And so far, it I mean, in episode two, it's been Salamander. And you don't really, since he's the villain of the piece, you can't really have your main stars interact w- interacting with him 
so soon. So I find that the story so far is very heavily driven by the guest stars and the mm-hmm. guest characters. Usually there's like doctor companions do one thing and then perhaps the guest stars are having their own thing but this time it's like there's the salamander thing then there's the you know uh astrid is Mm -hmm. sort of talking to different people like there are multiple scenes in a row that don't feature the doctor and the Mm -hmm. companions because they can't really be involved in the story at this time that's true that's fascinating somebody on twitter was wondering if um if Patrick Troughton got paid anymore for this because he was doing two characters, that that's not a thing, is it? Do you know? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of, you know, it's not like... I, I don't think Matt Smith got an extra paycheck mm-hmm. for Nightmare and Silver by being mm-hmm. both characters in that either. You know, it's the same amount of time. And because there's only amount... So, you know, there's no doctor talking to Salamander scenes. It's either doctor or Salamander. Mm-hmm. It's... He's probably doing about the same amount of work. He's in the makeup chair for a little longer, perhaps. But And it's not like in a normal episode of Doctor Who, the Doctor's getting paid by the line anyway. It's right. You get paid by the episode, mm-hmm. and you do however much acting in that episode is required for you. So sometimes for the companions, like they get two lines in the entire episode, and sometimes they have a whole bunch to do. I don't think they got paid any different for for that. No. Yeah. So, so our guess is, no, he did not get extra... He just got extra fame. I guess so. But as I said in the last episode, he this was the time when he started talking to Barry Letts about how overworked he felt in general, not necessarily yeah. per episode. So um, so perhaps he, maybe he did see a live playing two characters. I'm only getting one salary. I'm sure that Patrick Troutman was probably, you know, one of the people who probably said, hey, can I do a role in this? Because he's such a renowned character actor who was, you know, renowned before this and like literally the next week after leaving Doctor Who, he was on another big high profile BBC production. Wow. Like he was never out of work, Patrick Troughton. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think he probably was starting to get a little bit itchy, you know. This is mm-hmm. this Doctor Who was like one of his few, if only really well, I mean not only, but um one of his few like long standing roles. He always yeah. would do like you know, one part one off roles. Mm-hmm in his whole TV history. So, yeah, I imagine he was getting a little bit, um, wanted to spread his wings a little bit and so wanted to do this. Yeah, and he he does a, you know, it's a weird accent, but he, <laughs> but he, he what, whatever it is he's doing, he does it well. Well, you know what? I mean, I, I just played uh, Red Dead Redemption not too long ago and part of it features the hero of the, of the piece going to Mexico mm-hmm. and sort of interacting with a... Mexican general mm-hmm. um, who's played by a Mexican actor and oddly enough his accent and his performance reminds me of this because it's kind of a similar character in a way too so a lot of people say oh but Patrick Troughton's Mexican accent is kind of ludicrous and stuff we just know Patrick Troughton's voice so well mm-hmm. that to hear a different accent is kind of strange but it's not it's not a bad accent actually he does a pretty good job and also it, like it's very clear that th- when Patrick Troughton, as the doctor, is talking about it in the first place, like, yeah, he was born there, but there's other influences because, yeah, obviously, the world is much sort of, you know, you can travel in two hours much, much farther. So he's probably been around and absorbed, you know, accents from from all, many other places all over the world. And accents shift over time anyway. Mm. I mean, you know, if we went back to Shakespearean time, we'd have a rough go of understanding somebody. So 
Yep. Of course, yeah. this is this is the space year, 2018. That's true. <laughs> so maybe accents haven't haven't uh, shifted quite as much. But if uh, if travel was that easy, um, you know, maybe it would have. Yeah, I, 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 I rem- for some reason that re- tan- tangent here, but that reminds me of, I don't remember the film, but I think I did see it way back in the day when I used to work in a TV station, but The Gangs of New York, the movie The Gangs of New York, which I think takes place in what, the 1820s in New York? No idea, was not interested in that movie at all. No, nor was I that much, but I, I remember them focusing a lot on accents because it wasn't your typical New York mm-hmm. accent in 1820, mm-hmm. and it wasn't quite... British either so there's this mm. weird amalgam so I think they had to like dig into some archives or something to find like anything close to what the accents would have been at the time so mm-hmm. so you know thinking about what a New York accent was in 1820 is kind of think where is a Mexican accent in the futuristic mm. space year of 2018 yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember oh I wish I could remember better I need to go back and re-listen I think it was an, there was an episode of uh, Lexicon Valley about accents and how how accents sort of shifted from from the UK to America and there was it was really interesting that like some of the like the R's and stuff mm-hmm. um here on this continent or certain parts of this continent are actually closer to what it would have been in England hundreds of years ago because they had like a, a bigger shift there mm-hmm. and it like because the sort of original accent came over a long time ago here. It's, in some ways it stayed. Anyway, I need to go back and re-listen to that because it was just really amazing stuff. Yeah, kind of like how the the author George Plimpton used to call the curveball. Like that sort of like mm-hmm. northeastern kind of, you know, um, what's his yeah, name on Gil- Yeah, what's his name on Gilmore Girls? Um, played Lorelai's father. Oh, um, Edward Herman. Yeah, he mm-hmm. kind of has that... Um, mm-hmm. that Yep. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that accent to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very uneducated We're talking about that, but it's, mm-hmm. I, I've, I thought about it most recently a few months ago, and it's not fresh in my brain. But now I want to look at it up, um, inspired by The Enemy of the World Part Two, bringing the background. Woo! Well done. Yeah. Anything mm-hmm. else? I feel like we've gone on for a really long time. We're real talky. We are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for being two tired people, but yep. we are tired, <laughs> so no more episodes tonight, but... Mm-hmm some again soon hopefully because it's a long weekend here in Canada so happy heritage heritage days happy heritage days goodbye goodbye